we interrupt your scheduled podcast for a quick message from the Strangers to the Multiplex team. Thanks to Rich Johnson, a long-time listener, first-time corrector, who pointed out that the practical effects for Carpenter's The Thing should have been attributed to Academy Award winner Rob Bottin, not Stan Winston. Whilst Rob may not be as well-known a name to the casual moviegoer as Stan, he was actually responsible for the makeup and special effects for some of our favourite films, as well as the TV series Game of Thrones. Bottin was responsible for Total Recall, Robocop, Legend and the aforementioned Carpenter classic The Thing. So Mr Bottin, we hope you accept our sincere apologies and we promise to correctly acknowledge your work in future episodes. With that done, let's get back to the podcast. Greetings pod people and welcome to another edition of Strangers to the Multiplex. This evening, magic, speculation and shared world building as we survey the dawn of the big screen Hasbro universe and take a closer look at one of its lesser known brands in its original animated form. I'm Rob and I'm joined today, as usually I am, by the analytical nightmare himself, he who is impossible to please, Fossibitch. I have standards, what can I say? Hmm. Good to see you dude. Yeah, you too man. <laughs> uh, we're joined... By the very selective Mr. Complimentary Coppers himself, Neil. Greetings. The last time we recorded that, your your introduction was that a little bit better. Really? <laughs> but I digress. You mean we don't do it all in one recording? That's outrageous. I thought we were broadcasting live. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> how messy. Okay, so today we're looking at um, the announcement that was made that Hasbro toy manufacturers partnered with Paramount Pictures for their own movie venture. The news was broke by the Hollywood Reporter in December 2015 that Paramount Pictures and toy manufacturer Hasbro were joining voice, voice, joining voices, voices, forces. It's easy for you to say. Yeah, it's easy for me to say. To create an interconnected cross-property on-screen universe. This would consist of their already established box office darlings, the Transformers and Joe Joe, alongside lesser-known properties, the Micronauts, the Visionaries, Mask and Rom. It's My Little Pony in that as well. Uh, they are doing a Barbie film. Are they? Yeah. Amy, Amy Schumer. That's Mattel though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Was Cindy Harper? Was, was it Parker Brothers? Ah, it might have Ron the Knight was originally Parker Brothers as well, so it probably is Hasbro. I bet they bought up the right somehow. Yeah. So yes, they're, um, they're starting this joint universe. Or in other words, they're doing a Marvel <laughs> Now, uh, to sit down to research this podcast, I was familiar with most of the properties, but I have no clue as to who Rom is. No, I've never even heard of Rom. A very, very quick Wikipedia check yesterday. Uh, Rom is an android. Okay. It flies through space. Apparently Marvel published a comic called Rom Space Knight. Sounds like drawing. You'd not heard of him either, Reginald? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, come back to the microphone there. Yes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, so Neil's contribution for the evening. Um, yeah, so Rom, who's the Space Knight, um, and Micronauts, who I knew nothing of either. No, I, I thought I had, but when I checked them out, no, 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 I didn't. Wasn't it like the Hot Wheels? It was kind of like a Hot Wheels robot yeah, thing. I watched a few of the, the trailers instead because we tried to hunt down the, the, the pilot episode yeah, sure. for Micronauts just to do a bit of research and couldn't find it anywhere and started to lose the will to live. So um watched a few of the um, TV adverts instead and yeah, that's, it's quite out there. But uh, you're right, with it. it's kind of like Hot Wheels but you can kind of build them all together 
as your skill level progresses, you can build bigger and stronger and bigger vehicles. Bigger and stronger what? Vehicles or robots or robot vehicles. Kind of space age? Yeah, very space age. I mean, it looks very 70s. It's done by um, uh, Mego, who do a lot of the Star Trek figures yeah. that are very collectible these days. Um, but yeah, one of the adverts had me in hysterics because one kid proudly shows his dad what he's made and obviously spent a long time building that. It, it just looked dreadful. So. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Transformers do the, the same thing, though? They Didn't had they uh, the like, Microbots. Was it Microbots? Yeah, yeah. 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 Headmasters, they had yeah. the little ones as well, yeah. What was the other, what was the other uh, robot thing? That was around the same time. Go-Bots. 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 Yeah. Had Go-Bots as well. well yeah, I think we had some of the Rock Lords. Do you remember the Rock Lords oh, movie? Oh, Rock Lords, yeah. They yeah. Were, oh, my God. I so need to research that. That was amazing. <laughs> Maybe that's another episode oh, in the future. What do we... Because th- essentially what Hasbro is saying and Paramount is saying, or Parabo as I've come to think of them, oh, nice. what, they're, what they're saying is they're going to reverse engineer a shared universe, essentially. Wow. It strikes me as the worst idea ever. <laughs> I can see how a G.I. Joe and Transformers <laughs> crossover will done, will, can be done, because essentially that's what a Transformers movie is. It's soldiers and robots. So I can see that. But do we do we really need visionaries to turn up in a Transformers and G.I. Joe joint crossover? Or maybe they already have. Dun, 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 oh. Dun. Wow, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but do we... Do we think, given like the joint box office of G.I. Joe and Transformers, do we think Hasbro have enough brand recognition? Do we think that's going to work in their favour? If you think when Marvel started with Iron Man, Iron Man wasn't a particularly well-known commodity. What's but- Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man might not have been a, a particularly marketable commodity, but you did have kind of Robert Downey Jr.'s name next to it, albeit it was coming up from a, mm. a, a downturn in his career. Um, John Favreau had had some semblance of... Yeah, mm. he'd been steady hand. Yeah, he? yeah. There was Louis Leterrier, who'd done the transport films, who'd chosen to do Incredible Hulk at the same time. Right, I think sure. we were just hoping that one of those would take off. But I think... Uh, I think the one thing about the difference between Marvel and Transformers is Marvel movies are, on the whole, very well made. Transformers are not. <laughs> All right, but regardless of how well made they are, the box office speaks for itself. It people does. will turn out to watch Transformers movies. Why? Just Stop, off, people. Stop. <laughs> off the top of your head, Robert, just imagine we weren't talking about this earlier. Okay. How much did the first Transformers movie make? <laughs> well, funny you should say that, Mr. Stu. Let me just uh, check my brain. It made $708.5 million. Good Lord. That's a lot of cheese. Which is not bad. It's a, it's a good summer blockbuster return, that is. Uh, the last one. The most recent one? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, that was the god-awful Age of Extinction, which made nearly $1.1 billion. $1.1 billion. Good Lord. I'm not a numbers man in, in general terms. Is, is that good for... I presume that's they got their investment back on that one. Yeah, uh, I think most of the films, apart from the first one, they generally do around two hundred million, which is pretty standard for a Hollywood blockbuster now. Certainly a big effects laden one. So yeah, that they're more than making the money on these. I know um, Batman and Superman they need to clear a billion to to make Maybe their money that's back. That's right. Yeah, but their expenditure was significant. So I don't think Transformers spend as much as say, you know, Batman v Superman would do on advertising. Now, we had this conversation earlier, me and Neil, I think we said, didn't we, Neil, we'd only seen the first one, we'd not seen any Transformer movies beyond that. No, apart from the uh, 80s cartoon. 
Yeah, which is a much better. It's amazing. It's it's the what twenty fifth anniversary now, and they've released a Blu Ray of yeah. the original. Watch that. Just stop what you're doing now and watch that. But am I right in thinking that was a money loser? Yeah, for, um, yeah, no, yeah. Sunbro, the production company. Yeah, and because it lost so much money, they decided to um, put G.I. Art on video instead because that was going to have a theatrical release. I'm sure you've never seen the G.I. Joe animated movie. No, I haven't. It's no. also amazing. We're gonna get. We're gonna sit you down. We're gonna have an episode where we watch that and Transformers the movie. I feel. Yes. Is, it, is the soundtrack as good? Because the chance no, no it, uh, that was it like amazing. Soundtrack. Soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> that is the pinnacle of musical soundtrack. Yeah, I will, I will, I will concede that the GI Joe movie does look a good soundtrack, mm. but um, enjoyable stuff. We'll have to watch that at some it needs point. A Snake Eyes rap. A Snake Eyes rap would be Snake amazing, rap, especially yeah. if John Barnes joined in at some yes. point. Awesome. Mine's blown. Rob's just dropped the mic for all of us. <laughs> all right, so we're talking <laughs> back on track. So, yeah, there's there's obviously um, properties that are already feeding into a joint universe. Yeah. It's just not been labelled as that no. thus far. But the groundwork. I'm sure they will refer back to those because they're already out there and they've already, already made them a shed load of money. Speaking of Transformers, um, there was a new trailer released this week. Now I watched it the once, and I think I lost the will to live halfway through. Yeah, it's it's just it's the worst. And you didn't fare much better by the sounds, but no. Okay. Yeah. And I've I've watched the four previous films, and I still got I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, never let it be said that Neil doesn't have his uses because <laughs> Neil last night suffered for his art, and he actually sat down and watched the Transformers trailer. You poor bastard. And was kind enough to um, dedicate his. Can dedicate? No, it's commit. Commit his thoughts to tape. <laughs> and you should hear, be hearing that right about now. Hello, complimentary copies here. In an effort to amuse themselves, and not necessarily you listening at home, the strangers have asked me to record my live reaction to the new Transformers trailer for last night. I am not a Transformers fan, so I'd like to apologise for any inaccuracies or any offence you may take listening to this. Thank you. Strong start, we've got the Paramount logo and a dripping bloody cross. Just to stop pedants here, the Paramount symbol is the snowy mountain, not a bloody cross. That was on the screen. Uh, oh, a forest and uh, warlords. Uh, dragon? Dragon, is that a transformer? Um, uh, with Braveheart and uh, Nazis. So they're obviously trying to link uh, with Anthony Hopkins' ominous voiceover the Transformers to every momentous occasion in human history. Now we've got a burnt-out football field, very Batman, um, some kids, uh, a girl child on her own, uh, talking to uh, Bumblebee. Um, it looks like we've got some kind of robot arsehole now, a rather large robot arsehole with some probes going into it. And a dead Optimus Prime spinning in space while uh, Anthony Hopkins is uh, trying to give it some uh, semblance of credibility. And then we've got Ray's home planet. I mean, Jakku. So we've got Anthony Hopkins touching a Victoria Cross and the young girl again. For legal reasons, I'd just like to point out that Anthony Hopkins is touching a Victoria Cross, not a little girl again. Ah, Mr. Wahlberg's made an appearance at last. Followed by some running. Thanks to a little pre-trailer research, I know that is probably Unicron consuming the moon. 
Oh, tugging at the heartstrings there. As is normal with these kind of films, lots of running and explosions. And, oh, Bumblebee fighting Ed Zero One from Robocop, maybe. Go again. Mark Wahlberg. We're not giving up, OK? Um, another robot. Some more explosions. Josh Duchamel. Uh, thank God he's still got a job. And, oh, big sword. And a wet Mark Wahlberg. Oh, my God. And now a squinting Mark Wahlberg. And Optimus Prime's back alive. Forgive me. New Megan Fox. Now Bumblebee fighting Optimus Prime. It's all, all getting very confusing. As is typical with a lot of these trailers now, I feel like I've probably seen the film condensed into the space of about two minutes. Uh, oh, God, we've got Unicron again. Oh, it looks like we're, we're near the end. I did forget to say, though, the trailer seems to be soundtracked by a robot version of The Flaming Lips. Do you realise? Um, thank you for ruining one of my favourite songs. Once more then, that was Neil Sacrifice... I can't speak today. <laughs> Sacrificing himself for the good of the podcast. Once more into the breach, dear friends. Yeah, I think next time you ask me to watch a trailer that I've never seen before, I need to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to be a thing, I'm telling you. Okay. Drunk trailer. I'm ready. You had me at drunk, to be fair. <laughs> Back to the world of Parabro. More coverage and news followed in April 2016 when it was revealed that the partnership had taken to task a writer's room of considerable depth and accolades. The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay author Michael Gabone joined forces with noted television and comics writer Brian K. Vaughan and Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel co writer Nicole Perman. This creatively bankable trio would be joined by the likes of Chio Coker, who I'm told is the showrunner of um, Netflix's Luke Cage, and Joe Robert Cole, who's recently won acclaim for his work on The People vs. O.J. Simpson, and he's currently penning the Black Panther movie for Marvel. Yeah, and also Jeff Pinker uh, from, I think he did some of the Fringe stuff. Oh, OK. Um, and you've got Lindsay Beer in there. Gents, can we presume that the current Transformers movies don't have access to that same writers' room? Uh, I think the new one probably does. Um, it's a very strange place that they're going back to. It looks like they're doing King Arthur and his knights, which would tie in with Visionaries. I, I better say, I can see Visionaries working in conjunction with that. I think they're going to, at least in this film, I think they're at least going to start doing a bit of groundwork. I think that's the idea. But whether we'll see... Well, I don't think we're going to see a crossover... In this one, maybe a, an end credit sequence. You know. They seem to be copying the Mar the Marvel uh, yeah. combined yeah the combined universe yeah, yeah. templates. Well, so MCU, it makes sense that they would they would copy the um, post credit scenes. But well. they are hitting some problems because already GI Joe really relied on Dwayne Johnson. Ah uh, yes, that couldn't say no. Yeah. But I believe they're trying to get him back. They to are because the they're looking to number GI Joe three. They're looking to base around the character of Roadblock. Yeah. Who'd, um, Wayne Johnson played because he was such an interesting <laughs> character but he's like he's committed to films for I think it's the next three years he's got Baywatch yeah, yeah. And, and then he's Fast and, Fast and Furious, Furious. Sh Sh Shazam. Shazam he's yeah, going to be Black yeah, Adam and yeah. Shazam yeah and DC are bound to be playing, paying more money than Hasbro yeah, I can imagine from, they would be. Yeah, yeah. but it's going to it's going to happen. Interesting to note, though, they were talking about GI Joe Free um, some point last year in the trades, and it was mentioned that they were trying to work the mask characters into GI Joe Free. Matt Tracker and a couple of other people. Uh, I might have missed it when I read my original um, description, but Mask is also part of the Hasbro universe. See, Mask was amazing, but all these things are too similar. 
Yeah. yeah, but maybe that's the that's the kind of bridging concept between GI Joe and Transformers it's because they kind of had kind of transformer yeah, type vehicles. It's, like a, br- it's like a bridge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all getting very confusing. <laughs> Did it, the, the mask theme just deviated slightly? But I, I've always got it mixed in my head with I think it was the gem and the holograms thing. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> They're truly thing. outrageous. But I'm sure Mask had something that said truly adventurous or something in their theme I think when you come back to edit this maybe you should run the theme tune I will I will yeah. play it in the edit <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave a gap now yeah That was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> that took me back. Yes. <laughs> okay, so as I mentioned, the Steve theme, um, the Visionaries will be getting the Strangers to the Multiplex treatment. In a nutshell, Visionaries is about two warring factions of knights, um, who all of whom wear semi-modernised, brightly coloured armour. Each character is aided by an incredibly gimmicky hologram, um, holographic totem, which springs from their chest. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there's not much else to it. They've got they're, some of them have got staffs as well. Yeah, yeah but don't, don't you find that it just complicates things further? I, I, they kind of concentrate it, concentrate upon it in the first couple. Yeah, of the staffs, and then they just kind of give up on the staff <laughs> yeah. thing. I think. Well, they're going to use it once, then go all, all that way to recharge them again. Yeah, so what's yeah. The point? So Can we point? please get through the introduction before <laughs> we poke <laughs> holes <Sorry>. in it? <laughs> <laughs> this is old. There'll be time. Yeah. <laughs> Visionaries was a joint venture between Hasbro and animation production company Sunbro, uh, who were responsible for the Transformers cartoon, for the mm. G.I. Joe cartoon. It shows. In uh, conjunction with Marvel as well. Uh, it debuted in 1987. Uh, the cartoon was there to flog the toy line and run for a total of 13 episodes, each of which run for 22 minutes. Due to the underwhelming sales of the toy line, the series was not renewed for a second season. And was quietly shelved. Which is a shame. Now, Neil, I'm a, as I understand it, you don't remember the toys at all. No, I, I think I was about 14, 15 when that came out. So I was I, I was interested in other things by that point. <laughs> Supernaturals! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about the Supernaturals earlier, which for the knockoff toy line that um, Tonka brought out around about the same time. Which I actually don't remember, but I, I have very good, vivid memories of the toy line for Visionaries. See, I remember playing on the front garden in the ghetto with the um, yeah. Supernatural. <laughs> That's beautiful. Hit me again. <laughs> I, I, I think I remember them because the co-op used to sell them. And at one time I was stacking shells. I think about that time I started stacking shells for the co-op. But Rob, you do remember you were, you were privileged enough to have the official toys. Well, they weren't that expensive, and I think that's, that was the great thing. It was like every weekend we'd pop into town and I'd, I'd drag my mum into Walworths and then go, meh, and get a new one. <laughs> and uh, But I remember the figures were, I think, were under a fiver, and, you know, I got them, the, you know, I think they released, like, two vehicles for the first toy line, and I got them for a birthday or Christmas. So very quickly I managed to accumulate 
the whole toy line. Are there like twelve knights in all? The main characters? I think there are twelve, yeah, aren't there? It's not many. It's about really. six. Rather, rather conveniently, it's very even. There's about six of each. I know. It's... Almost as if somebody was trying to make a toy line. <laughs> now it is amusing watching the uh, the cartoon and the the fighting this pitch battle. And there's about four of them. <laughs> I was watching the adverts for the toys on YouTube as part of Research this, and they don't look like the best... In, in retrospect, they don't look like they were well-made. Visionaries from Hasbro. No, they, I, I remember them being very well-made and very mm. sturdy, yeah. Were they about the size of G.I. Joe figures? They, yeah, they were technically kind of that size, and then you had the staffs. And, but one thing I loved about them was they all had really different weapons. So if you kind of like you enjoyed fighting with them and fighting the knights, and it wasn't just swords and shields and axes and all the things you were normally used to, they'd have like sides with bits cut out or whips or these really bizarre kind of like inverted axes or maces or and, and they were all made of like hard like a hard rubber material and they if, you know you, you got quite imaginative with them. They were so in between pulling legs off insects, you, you know, <laughs> whipping them. Yeah. <laughs> no, and uh, I remember the um, the vehicles being a little flimsy because the bits of them moved, and you know, and, like the sides would slide forward and reveal a gun emplacement or something. And I remember them being very flimsy, but the figures themselves were really well done. So, just to clarify, they, they were the size of G.I. Joe's rather than your kind of He-Man kind of squatty figures. Yes, yes. Okay. No, I think that by that point they'd um, mastered the art of what an action figure should be like. <laughs> Proportion. <laughs> Proportionally, yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed I didn't grow up into a squatty little adult like a He-Man figure. But I remember the staffs were annoying because they were just massive. <laughs> <laughs> and apart from hitting somebody with them, or pretending to in, when you're playing with them, that you kind of just had to, I'll put the staff down on the floor now and I'll fight you. <laughs> that was in episode four. Yeah. <laughs> that was the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you see the cartoon? Can you remember? Uh, I don't remember seeing it. I'm, um, I'm sure I had it on uh, on video. Like I said, I, based on the toy line, I was very much into the show. And uh, I'm shocked to hear there's only 12 episodes. I know. It seems to be one of those that ran and ran and ran. Um... But yeah, I must have had it. I'm sure I saw it on just normal kids' TV and then got the the video for it and probably wore it out because I actually remember a hell of a lot of that opening episode. Yeah, so do I. Like, I, I got for Christmas one year. I think I got for two different VHSs. So I had about four or five episodes. So tonight, um, in an attempt to recapture the magic of 87... What we're going to do, we're going to look at the first two episodes, as they are the first two episodes that appeared on the first VHS I bought. Okay, so episode one um, is The Age of Magic Begins, and episode two is The Dark Hand of Treachery. It is a time when magic is more powerful than science, and only those who control the magic control destiny. They are the visionaries. Our story begins as the age of science comes to an end, in the rubble of Prismos, once technological utopia, plunge into the dark ages when its three suns realign. Out of the chaos rises a society in which two loosely defined kingdoms clash for supremacy, carefully watched over and manipulated by the powerful sorcerer Merklin, who should probably just be called Merlin. Merklin seeks to usher in the age of magic and invites the warring factions to journey to his shrine on Iron Mountain in order to harness the magic for themselves. Lyric, 
noble ruler, big moustache, and his court answer the call to adventure with a hefty dose of cynicism, while his binary opposite, the clearly evil and heavily bearded Darkstorm, leads his followers up the mountain, because, you know, magic is stupid, but, it's Leoric, but if Leoric gets some, Darkstorm wants some too. The quest up the mountain serves as a visionary selection test, with each central character given opportunity to demonstrate bravery or treachery, depending on their allegiance, and an overriding character trait on which their holographic animal totem will be based. Having all but taken the sweetest from the stranger in the van, Leoric questions as to what costs these blue's powers. Having all but taken the sweeties in the, from the stranger in the van, Leoric questions as to what cost these new powers are given to them, to which Merklin says that they will be expected to carry out the occasional quest in exchange. Merklin then gives out the animal totems. In essence, the animals are a reflection of the knight's true selves, and they will transform into these animals when needed. Merklin also prompts those knights that carry power staffs to charge them in a magical pool, which in turn gives them additional powers. He advises those without staffs that they too that they too will soon discover extra skills previously unknown to them. During the course of the quest, the two warring factions have become clearly defined: those in Liaric's corner, eventually earning the label Spectral Knights, or those who have sworn allegiance to Darkstorm, dubbed the Darkling Lords. And that's pretty much the first episode. But there is a section at the end when the winged Spectral Knight named Arms Arzon answers the call of a literal damsel in distress only to discover it's a trap and the woman is really Feralina. For those who keep in score, she's actually, her animal totem is a shark but she seems to be in the middle of the desert for some reason. And interestingly, she's dressed up as a character that appears later on. Really? In the uh, oh. in the series, yeah. One of the villagers' girls, like, they obviously decided they weren't going to design many women's faces in this. <laughs> well, there seems to be a whole of two women in the whole in the whole um, yeah. planet at the moment. Well, Merklin's grooming the knights, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> when they, when they, why are you giving us magic? Well, <laughs> and speaking of which, like I, his name kept making me amused because I kept thinking his name was Merkin. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I said that yesterday to Rob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You just know all the knights were called. I am a pubic cover. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember the cliffhanger ending. Um, Just to make clear, this this episode finishes with Arzon being attacked and eventually captured by the Darkling Lords. But when I watched it originally, I don't remember a cliffhanger ending. No, I remember this episode being a lot longer because I always remembered what happened and how everyone got their powers and other things. I was thinking, oh, it must have been like a feature-length episode, but really, they cram a hell of a lot into 22 minutes, so I'm not surprised that mm. done, they do the cliffhanger, well, really. the first four minutes is just straight exposition. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an interesting concept. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Neil just sighs. Yeah, yeah. Says the man who had all the toys. <laughs> and possibly shares in the company. Yeah. <laughs> so what come on, Neil, what did you think then? Oh, I just thought it was bloody awful. I'll be I'll be honest. Um, and the voice acting very melodramatic. Um interestingly they went up Iron Mountain, which mm-hmm. is Mr. Robot, isn't it? It's actually Steel Mountain. They shut down Iron. I'm sure they shut down Iron Mountain. God, it's been a while since Mister Robot. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Merklin goes to the bad guys first to well, offer them magic. Do you not think that Merklin pretty much knows who's going to fall on whose side as well? Because he handily colour codes all the holograms. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But don't the staffs change colour when if someone else steals them? Or have I made that? I'm not sure. I don't remember seeing that. I can't remember seeing that, but by that point... But again, probably you're, you're looking for the toy lines. So yeah, yeah. You've clearly got to have to find who's good, who's bad. All right. We mentioned this earlier, but talk a little bit about the staffs and how the staffs... They charge the staffs in the pool. They do. And uh, Merklin, Merlin, whatever, Merkin. says to them, charge your staffs in the pool, and it'll give you extra abilities. But beware that these staffs do need recharging. I th- I'd quite like to, if we can, put a sample in here. No. Dip your staffs into the pool and you will see a wondrous transformation. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, but always remember that's the one thing that never really transferred over to the toys because you'd had the, the staffs that were very cool and they were just a bit of plastic with the hologram on. <laughs> and you'd have thought it'd been better if you had like a, a physical representation like the Ghostbuster toys of something coming out of the yeah. staff. The proton or, packs, or yeah. the proton pack or yeah. something. And it was just a bit of plastic with a hologram on it. And I take it with the toys you didn't get their totem animal either. No, no. It was no. literally it was just, just a hologram on their chest or whatever. Them, yes. Ugh. <laughs> He's turned into a bear. No, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's just crawling around on all fours, blatantly having an acid trip. <laughs> Look, he could see a bear coming yeah. out. <laughs> I'm being attacked by wolves. You're really not. <laughs> um, what parts? What parts did you think were good ideas of at all, Neil? Uh, over both episodes or the first episode? Yeah, go go nuts. Because uh, you were just talking about an acid trip. <laughs> And, and one of the totems for one of the bad guys was a spider, and he yeah. says yes. something blah blah blah. It's fear, yeah. isn't it? It's one of the dude's um, yeah. power staffs, and he does the whole thing about the uh, uh, whatever the, the good girl. Woman's yes, but this called. is the thing, right? Her totem is a dolphin. Why is she scared of drowning? He he gets. <laughs> hadn't thought he, get, he gets the um, the bad guy, and I'm sorry, his name escapes me. His power staff is fear. He says he's he says he's conveniently phrased rhyme. Uh, the the big I'm, I'm really shit at explaining this. Basically, the monster comes out of his staff, says something, and as a result of which the goody night woman starts to hallucinate. Yes, she runs to the battlements of the castle and thinks she can see a tidal wave coming towards the castle. It was a big one. It was quite impressive. And she seems to be the only one on the battlements at the time, but I digress. And she says, quickly, everybody run. We're all going to die. Everyone's going to perish. She's a dolphin. What is she worried about? Someone should have thrown a beach ball in there. She'd have been fine. She could have bounced it on her nose. Well, no, see, the, 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 yeah, that's, that, that is the other thing, isn't it? Um, Merlin does tell them that these animals are extensions of their true selves, and when they're most need, when they most need it, the, they will turn into the animals. But then there seems to be no hard or fast rule as to how long they can be animals for, and they'll transform back to their human forms at random times. Well, the bit that gets me is the fact that the Spectral Knights overly rely on their totem animal, yet the bad guys just go, well, we've got weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going we to throw a net yeah. over you. We'll just wait for you to get knackered, and we'll throw a net over you. There's, a, there's a scene towards the beginning of the second episode when Arzon, who's the uh, Spectral Knight whose totem is an eagle, he's running away from the Dark Lords. They're chasing him across ravines, and Arzon's actually jumping them as opposed to turning into the bird and flying. What's up with that? <laughs> it just 
I, I found that, especially in the second episode, this whole thing about basically they were out completely outwitted by the bad guys they they didn't yes. and also <laughs> to be fair the bad guys plan is a very good and straightforward and logical one they say what we'll do is we'll pick off the spectral knights when they're not together when they're on their own we'll collect their power staffs and then we're going to use their magic to go to the castle and defeat the king and take the castle Plan. The basis of that is sound. Plan. <laughs> I, you see, I interpreted that differently, but I watched that quite late at night. Right, what was yours? I thought he was trying to capture them to take him to take them to his sex dungeon. Because um, <laughs> he does say he's going to need he, more chains, yeah, doesn't he? Said, uh, <laughs> we're going to run out of strong shackles and chains. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Dark, what exactly has Darkstone got in his castle? <laughs> but then he sends his man bitch to go find him some more, so yeah, it's all right. In a, yeah, in a convenient junkyard where there's loads of, loads of uh, vehicles. Vehicles, yeah. which they, yeah. they discovered. I once saw on the Chuckle Brothers. They're sex dungeon. To me, to you, to <laughs> me. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they found a bus and it worked perfectly, and they wound up paying the guy to take it off them. And it's like, but it, no one would dump a bus that works that well. And no. they've done that in this show. Well, no, because to be fair, again, this show it's quite logical. The idea is that no technology works due to the free sands aligning, and therefore the spaceships wouldn't be worth anything to them, would they? Because they couldn't this use them. Yes, they would and, be. And that's why it's in the scrap pile. But the vision, the two visionaries that are sent to look for chains, apparently, in a scrapyard with lots of dead cars and spaceships mm. which doesn't really work but anyway they're sent there and they discover that because they don't have power staffs their extra powers are the fact that they can actually use machinery still which i think is still quite a nifty idea but yeah. didn't those machines have like a holographic panel on them or oh, almost yeah, as if yeah, they yeah. were waiting there yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. because the the darkling lords can breathe life into the machines <laughs> <laughs> i didn't write this shit okay <laughs> One thing did annoy me because in the the TV show they open up and it's like a prison where yeah. they can store store them in. Yeah, there. the magical dungeon. Yeah, it's not the toys. I wasn't in the toys. No, what's going on? No. <laughs> no, but also in the cartoon, like they throw uh, the bear bloke Cryotech, who's one of the Spectral Knights. They throw him into the dungeon, but it's only later on in the cartoon when they throw Feral into the same dungeon that they decide it can take your powers away. Because they've got the strongest of the Spectral Knights, who's um, Crichton. Crytek, because not Crytek, Crytons and Red Dwarf. <laughs> Crytek's a bear. Um, and they, they take three or four of them to bundle him up and they throw him into the magical dungeon. And there he sits till they put him in prison. The next guy, Feral, they take into the magical dungeon. They decide that they can use the technology to steal his power. If you've got Crytek in a dungeon, wouldn't you take his powers away? Yeah. I th- well, I, I didn't understand that because the, the whole thing with the birdie fella, uh, pick, picking up... <laughs> Leoric? Leoric. To escape the the flooding dungeon. <laughs> Why didn't they think of that to the start with? Why didn't they go, oh, there's, an, well, there's an exit up there, you can fly. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, much for the same reason he probably jumps through ravines, just because he yeah. can. <laughs> or, or much the same as the guys poking through the bars of the dungeon. Yet it takes them to open the door to let the water out. I think you're talking about episode three, which I did not watch. Yeah, I'm addicted to it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been been binging on vision. To go go back to the whole thing with Merklin choosing, um, pretty much choosing the sides, though. Wouldn't you be pissed off? Okay, you've got the huge bloke who's the gorilla, the baddie. It's uh, Sindar. 
and yet Merklin decides that Leoric should have with him the bloke with the good nose. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Feral's only contribution in the whole two episodes is I think he smells the way up the maze at one point and he can see further than the others so he can tell them there's a plague coming. <laughs> that seems to be his contribution. And he to runs them. away from men wearing red coats and black hats on horses. Yeah. <laughs> i got to be honest, I think the whole call to adventure thing in the pilot works quite well. I've got very fond memories of this show. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it all makes sense. I'm not even it's saying it's all very good. But I, I, even watching them back, I quite enjoyed it. I tell you, what, if this doesn't make sense, wait till they do a film of it. <laughs> Especially if Michael Bay's going to executive produce it, which he probably will. Yeah. It's just going to be awful. I also thought that the idea of um, the power staffs having to recharge your power staff was pretty much Green Lantern. They all had these wonderful little sayings in order to activate their yeah. powers. Yeah. You could maybe copy one of those into the conversation right about now. <laughs> and about those of us who have no staff, you will discover in time that you also have great powers. Now, raise your staffs. Each has been charged with a special power. Wisdom, light speed, knowledge... Strength, decay, destruction, fear, and invulnerability. <laughs> However, and then um, they speak to the big blue dudes as well. We're pretty much going into the universe, aren't they? You know, when the the blue totems come out of the power staffs. Yeah, bearer of knowledge, is it? Yeah, they don't really establish where that magic came no. from. And one was was the um, owl one of those bearers? Of yes. Yes. Who gives him the clue? Become one with the circle of light, yeah. which is the most awful riddle ever. Which it's is a, very it's, ambiguous. It's, it's, it's and then it's basically let's all just join together. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. It's, it's Why moves. didn't you think of that earlier? <laughs> <laughs> you need a talking owl to tell yeah. you that. <laughs> you know? At the point where you all would survive the maze and got up the cut and got up the mountain and all come out together. Maybe then you'd have thought about forming your brotherhood of light. No, no. What about if you did use it and he gave you some really useless information like you need to eat today? (laughs) (laughs) Your charge, your staff is going to need recharging after this. Miles to recharge this (laughs) for that information. Have you have you noticed your cholesterol level? (laughs) (laughs) Check your petrol. A lot of bacon recently, haven't we? Your mother never loved you. What if you talked in your sleep or you were getting down or something? All of a sudden you got a giant owl. Watching it. <laughs> you a, get handy, your... a handy way to open a stiff jar top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there is the very cool one that one of the evil guys has, the gorilla guy. I think it's his. No, one of them has stuff where it turns into the giant creature. Yeah, it's, 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 the gorilla, it's the gorilla dude. Which yeah, which again, really wanted the toy of for <laughs> some <laughs> representation. But yeah, that was very cool. Always liked him. Who who was the who was the guy who? Oh no, I, I'm probably leaping ahead of you guys now. But he has the power to take away people's youth. Yeah, no, that's you see that in the end of episode two. That's yeah. dark. That's dark storms. Um, yeah. to, um, staff animal thing, which I always thought was quite cool. And as a kid, that bit quite scared me because yeah. the, the monster just drapes his wing across that dude's face. I like the fact it was a, an international village. No, well, no, this is the thing. The Cockney was like, it was a Cockney village. <laughs> oh, we better, we better follow him. <laughs> Call blimey. <laughs> but we were saying earlier, they all seem to be white. They yes, didn't seem to be yeah. much ethnicity in that particular village. Was, bizarrely, I think three characters were voiced by black voice actors as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, Merklin. 
Definitely. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys, I think two of the good guys were voiced by black actors. Okay. Okay. I know the dude who did um, Starscream and Cobra Commanders in it, oh, isn't he? Yeah, he's a legend. He yeah. plays a, he does Kravik, doesn't he? He does. Now, I thought there is a lot of similarities to where you can tell quite early on that this is done by the same people who do the G.I. Joe. Even the um, the intro music is very similar, the introductory scene is very similar. It's all voiced by the same people. Yeah. Who do it? So it's even the animation style is extremely. Well, similar. no. Apparently, they didn't use the same animators for this. Um, G.I. Joe and Transformers were actually done in conjunction with Marvel, but they actually went overseas to a to a different company altogether for this because this 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 that's what makes Visionaries unique from Transformers and um, G.I. Joe. Sunbow. But yeah, some Sunbow. Sunbow. I'd yeah. say the colours are slightly more muted, but that's probably. The, the name of the dude, I don't know if the fact-checking monkey could check this out, the name of the dude who wrote it, I want to say it's something Dilly. Flint Dilly. Flint Dilly. Flint Dilly. Okay, Great. Flint Dilly actually has a writing credit on Transformers the movie. Oh, okay. Um, he wrote a load of Transformers and G.I. Joe episodes, he wrote Transformers the movie, he wrote the pilot for this, and he's also credited with writing An American Tale too. Just a fun fact I thought I'd throw in there. Still better on episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that there was a nice scene in the second episode where um, Dark Storm's explaining his rather logical plan to the rest of the Darkin Lords, and he's actually had little figures of the Visionaries made up at the um, Spectral Knights. He does, yes. Which I thought was a nice little touch. <laughs> but again, it's a war between about 12 people. Kingdoms and mm. taking over the worlds and using these powers for good or evil. There's 12 of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you could have an uprising and fight against a bear for 30 seconds. You know, just ch- ch- let him ch- run you around a tree a few times, and that's it, you're fine. There's, there's also a continuity ever where um, Darkstorm actually refers to the Spectral Knights as the Spectral Knights before they've actually decided they're going to be the Spectral Knights. Amazing, amazing. Which I thought was quite cool. It's almost like it's all preordained. And I have, I've just found an interesting fact on the interweb that the actor who played Dr. Zachary Smith in Lost in Space... Is the same bloke of... who does um, the, the bootlick. The yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he sounded like him. I thought he might be. Watch Dread. Yes. He was a dreadful character, but his weapon as a toy was amazing. But I, w- I will say this as well, with regards to all of the characters in this, at least they're consistent in terms of they have a main character trait and they stick to it. It's the kind of consistency you don't usually see in cartoons anymore. No. You know, he's a bootlick and he's always a bootlick. Or Liaric's heroic and he's always heroic. What do we think to the Greek, to the, um, Greek thinking man, the, 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 the stone giant that Liaric charges into? Uh, he's kind of there and gone all in a few seconds. Nice idea, though, I thought. It was a nice idea. I think they had to blast through that, that first episode. They really could have dragged out for an entire series. Yeah. <laughs> really. They could have done. They, they could have easily spent the first four minutes. At, the, the bit that I was disappointed about was actually the, the collapse of the civilization. Mm. That, that would have made, if it was Transformers level, yes. they, they would have spent a good episode on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There was the montage of the like um, life as the um, realignment of the suns happens, and you see the newsreader who says about mm. not to panic. Is that actually the female Darkling Lord? She has a different haircut, but you know. Times move on. I can't remember. You can't remember. You don't care, do you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't care. Anything else? Like, do we have any favourite characters? In the well, again, in the 
cartoon show. No, not really. I remember there being a few like like Kravix, Kravix, Kravix. Yeah. Um, just because he was, it was like, oh, that's the dude who voices Star Co- and Cobra Commander. He, he, he got my vote cool for that. Yeah. yeah, he was a again the toy. He was like, you know, black and red spikes on him, and he was quite gnarly and pretty cool, and he had a beard. And um, but yeah, he was pretty cool. But he, he was probably the favourite. But the idea of the bear and the gorilla when you're fighting with the toys, it was always cool to get them facing off one another because that was the big shirt. That was the big bro down. But, uh, <laughs> that, that's about it. Really. How about you, Neil? Did you have one character you tolerated over the others? Um, I, I actually liked your Virulina. Virulina, yeah, the, yeah. the shark. Yeah, yeah. She had she had depth as well because she wasn't willing to take it from Darkstorm. No. no. So so quite a quite a strong female character compared to yeah. the, 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 the heroic the, female, female one who kind of was a dolphin and she was a dolphin. One wants to see Crotic one more time, which I thought was a little bit adult. They had a they had a, they had a romance there, didn't they, between Crotic did, and yes. um, trying to build some interaction. Yeah, Argelina. Well, I don't know what her name is. Thinking about, it, I don't remember having the female. I, I was going to ask you that question whether they'd actually produced the two female did, you know. action figures. So, unlike Masters, uh, but say, are we talking right? Galandrogate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, if they did, I can't remember having them. Right. It's a very good question. What Am I right in thinking they never did a Baroness figure for G.I. Joe either? No, they did. They did. It was limited. I think at one point she was supposed to be the main baddie, wasn't she? Yeah. But they changed it because they didn't think boys would they, buy. They it did a full actually, kind yeah. of gamut of of GI Joe. Oh, they the did hundreds. Yeah, they did hundreds, though, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? For all our bitching and complaining about the inconsistencies of of the plot, I actually did find um, Visionaries quite enjoyable still. Neil's just had a small stroke. No, I I can honestly imagine coming into this blind. Yeah. No. I I think nostalgia does speak a lot to it. It really does. It was enjoyable. I liked the whole culture adventure at the beginning. I liked the fact they had to work their way through the maze. As a storyteller, I liked the fact everybody was given a chance to prove themselves. Mm. Whereas I thought that all of the plots were were written to be similar to how you would play it in your backyard. Yes. Capture, yes. rescue, fight. Yeah. Capture, rescue, fight. It very much the pattern that you play when you've got kind of action figures. Yeah. Bear in mind, they're asking you to do a lot with the figures that you can't do in the cartoon. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. One thing I do want to point out is there's a scene where um, Darkstorm is walking through the... the he's, he's coming towards the shrine and he's walking through the mazes and that. And he finds a lot of knights that are hung up by their feet couple of which have turned to skeletons, so the, it's indicated they've been there for a long time. But one of them is hanging there. Um, each of the characters in their costumes have a shelf for the hologram to fit onto for no apparent reason, because they have these before they go into the shrine. They don't know they're going to collect the holograms, but they have these spaces on their um, armour. That's there, just so. And one of the skeletons that is hanging up upside down actually still has the place for the hologram on his chest. Right. How does that work? <laughs> Is, it, is that the one where he said, oh, it's an art gallery? Yes. Or something that yeah. he walks yes. through? Well, what a beautiful exhibit. This must be the art gallery. I swear Alan Rickman should have played him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But maybe that was just the, the fashion for the armour at the time. Possibly. Well, Christmas Newcastle, fashion. Newcastle United did a shirt one year that had like a shield a hologram. on the back. <laughs> yeah, a hologram. They'll turn into pussies. Unless you had a name and number on there, it looked really stupid. 
Right. So it's it's not without precedent. They they watch visionaries. Yeah. 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 Uh, disappointed it was only twelve episodes. I'm looking forward to watching the rest. And it's been a wonderful trip down the nostalgia lane. Yeah. For for me, it stood up better than I thought it would. Mm. I can see there are some holes in the plot, but it's still enjoyable. I was going to try and get Max to watch them. If I'm honest, because I quite enjoyed it. I think it's like carry on potential. <laughs> Carry on, a lot of, lot of uh, look at the size of that comment. No, lots of I say, lots of pinching of arses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just amazing. All my staff strings. Yeah. <laughs> Zounds, look at the size of that. <laughs> there's actually one. There's one of the characters who's the most straight laced of the good guys. Who's called um, Eckhard or Eckhart or something, and he says, um, "Here's the Merklins are giving him an evil power staff because they were all goodies to start with." Yes, yes. <laughs> And there's also a line which I, I messaged you earlier, Neil. Something one of they say when they're looking in the um, the scrapyard and the magic comes alive. Something he says, "Is this a hallucination?" And the other dude says, "Let's see if we can fly it." <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine them taking mushrooms together. Just yeah, two guys, two guys plummeting out of an eleven-story window. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is. It would be funny if at the end of the series it just just comes to two blokes just completely off the tip on a park bench somewhere. Yeah, yeah. drill. Playing with a lighter. The yeah. agent magic's coming. The agent magic's coming. <laughs> We next turn our attention from the nostalgia of the Visionaries cartoon in the 80s to the slated 2020 Visionaries film as part of the Hasbro shared universe. In this next conversation we speculate on director, story and potential cast. Yeah, what's going what's to happen, Mr Stu? The fact that the latest Transformers movie is set in the time of nights might be their doorway into Visionaries. It would make sense. I mean, would they do Visionaries with King Arthur? Would they use I that would. as a way in? I would. I think it's a lot easier than explaining the three sons of Prismos. I, I think <laughs> you might struggle with that, because I think the new Transformers film actually does reference King Arthur and may have him in. Yeah. Like I kept saying, I think I would trade Merklin for Merlin, and maybe yeah. have Merlin as King Arthur for King Arthur, then that, that's your crossover. Um, I mean, I, I've thought about it quite a lot, because yeah. I hated it so much. <laughs> um we the film follows the genesis of the visionaries actually on prismos immediately after something like uh, an emp so we're basing it in a kind of nuclear winter style dark ages yeah. um think phantom zone but better done something like that yeah uh holograms are now hard light projections uh-huh. uh and a push from the helmets rather than the chests which would be a bit like Mask. Yeah, yeah. So I thought maybe some kind of link in there. Yeah. Um, and that the, no phrase, maybe just a key word to activate the magic. Throughout the film, we're left wondering Merklin's motivation for bestowing these gifts, which I think the cartoon tried to do as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, Spectral Knights were essentially eco-warriors of the planet at the start of the film. So we see the dissolution of kind of Prismos. Whereas I thought the Darkling Lords could be kind of big oil, big farmer representation. <laughs> uh, both battle to, to basically turn Prismos into their ideal. Uh, and Merklin has set them 12 tasks to achieve the power to de- uh, restore Prismos. Mm. That's where I was going with that. Um, uh, the, the Darkling Lords are assisted by Morgana on the sidelines. Morgana's in the later episodes of the okay. TV, the cartoon. 
and the film hints throughout that she may be related to Merklin. And then I thought the way we link it to Transformers is at the end of the film you see Spectral Knights restore Prismos to its former glory. Merklin declares that they've won, etc., etc. Uh, but we cut to Morgana speaking to a shadowy figure through her crystal ball, saying, I failed you, Lord Unicron. Oh, that would be good. Would you have some of the visionaries be able to reactivate Transformers? You yeah. know, like they, they've got the, the ability to use their magic to bring machines back to life. Wouldn't you have them like, touching dead Transformers or something? Potentially. I was going to go with a post-credits... Uh, a bit. <laughs> Still from the best, boys. Still, Still from, from the best. best. <laughs> Where uh, Prince Leoric being spoken to by Merklin, who basically says, um, "Oh, you've done very well on Prismos. Uh, now I've got mm-hmm. another planet. I've got a bit of a problem on, and you see Earth in or, the background, or Cybertron. <laughs> oh, yeah, or Cybertron. Yeah, or Cybertron. Or would the Transformers turn up once they've restored the planet to its former glory? Would the tra- Transformers then turn up and try and steal energy from the place? Yeah, possibly. Would would Cybertron be one of the sons? Ooh. I did. What's the spark thing in Transformers? Uh, the, the Matrix. Spark. Yeah. Is, it, is it like the Matrix from the cartoons? No, no, no mm. something completely different. <laughs> is it? Is it an energy source or is it a soul? It is kind of an energy source. Is this right. um, ancient artifact that was floating through space came to Earth and it has the power to turn machines into robots? Right. Like the Transformers did with that little spacecraft in the first cartoon. You know that one when they come yes. to Earth, it says X4, X4, repair, repair. So cool. We should so do an episode on that as well. Yeah. That's yeah. an amazing cartoon. <laughs> so who who did you who was you looking at to to lead the movie? Who was you casting? It's gotta be Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is what is Merklin? There, well he, he could probably do a quite a good movie. Yeah, yeah. But um no Leopold Leop- Leoric. I think he'd probably want to play one of the. Well, he'd probably want to, but he'd probably accept enough money. (laughs) (laughs) He could be convinced. (laughs) Who would you say? Uh, I was trying to think of someone who would have a suitable bushy moustache in the time, by the time they've actually made the film. Yeah, I, I'd say we're, we're back in the day, possibly Tom Selleck. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Let's, get, let's get Ryan Gosling in. Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> there we go. Or maybe he could be the Fox dude. Feral. Feral, yeah. Yeah. He could sniff out the problems, sniff out script problems. The, the, bizarre, the bizarre thing is that obviously your, your best bet for uh, Virulina would actually be Megan Fox, but they've already used her. No, I would right. use the chick from Orange is the New Black. You know, the chick yes. with the glasses from that yeah, 70s show. But uh, Hugh Jackman is one of the bad guys, maybe. Hugh Jackman is Darkstorm. Is Darkstorm, yeah. Could potentially see that. See, again, I think it's not going to be one of those films that's going to stand up or fall down on its casting, is it? No. It's going to very much stand up or fall down on the special effects. Fact-checking the story. monkey. Yep. Yeah. Laura Prepon. That's hey, that's yeah, her. Yeah, nice. So I also thought she should be cast as the uh, Baroness in Georgia. She'd have been very good. I have to say, I, I did think Sienna Miller did a decent job. She did. She was awesome. I think they're probably going to need to pull um, Scott Erickson in as well after his work with Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, to to yeah. give him that kind of mystical slant again. He'd, he'd be a good director, Trump Yeah, says, yeah. So yeah. I can see that. And I don't think we should discuss writing because the likelihood is it'll be a byproduct of the writer's room and it will depend on what's happening into the other movies as to how the yeah. plot falls. I have anyway. a feeling, though, that they'll f- those, that writer's room will fall off. That, that brain trust mm. will be a, a little bit like the revolving door at DC at the moment yeah. for writers. Whereas they won't have success with one film or they won't do as well with one film or it won't just quite hit the, the idea of this 
combined universe, and they'll they'll be kicked to touch on the on the well, pavement. I mean, that's the one thing about the Transformers films; they've all been pretty steadily progressing. Yeah. And I've reached the pinnacle of 1.1 billion, whereas the G.I. Joe movies have barely made 400 million. So I think we're just waiting for what if, what, say, the next Transformers movie that does a big tie in, say that does 700 million. I think they're all of a sudden going to turn around and go, hang on. <laughs> is yeah. this where we want to go? As this, this is affecting, it's like when Angel is becoming bigger than Buffy. Yes. And it's, it's like, this, we're harming the parent show here. Yeah. So maybe we'll go down that road. I mean, say they do a tie-in G.I. Joe movie and it bombs again. It could all fall apart. But they yeah. might they might want to reboot it and do G.I. Joe stroke mask. So Dwayne Johnson yeah. finds a, a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a great title for a G.I. Joe 3. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the story for Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> Train Johnson's helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you smell. Yeah. Okay, it finishes off with a tagline, Neil. What, what tagline would you give a new Visionaries movie? <laughs> why should, Why is this being made? <laughs> uh, I, I do agree, though. I think it will be, if they make this, it will be the final nail yes. in this year. <laughs> it wouldn't be amazing if it turned out and it was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. just really good standalone films. Anyone believe that? I'm predicting happen? 2021. It's a fire sale at Paramount where they're trying to get rid of every Hasbro property. Just sit up and sell it off. Yeah. It's, I, th- I think it's a lot of diminishing returns like your X-Men at Fox. Yes. And on that optimistic note, we'll draw this to a close. Um, end credits. We thank, as always, complimentary copies for his musical contribution. Which is better than his verbal contribution. (laughs) (laughs) Or let him speak for himself. You can and please do follow us on social media. Facebook slash Strangers to the Multiplex. And on the Twitter, I think it's just Strangers TTM. Go to our Facebook page. We prefer Facebook. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us. If this is your first show, thank you for taking a chance. We do have a backlog of episodes available on SoundCloud. Please contact us. Tell us what you think. And as always, until next time, don't be a stranger.